This episode of the Gondrepreneur Podcast is made possible by Evergreen Gateway, a provider of cannabis-friendly financial services. As many cannabis entrepreneurs have experienced firsthand, it can be very difficult to get approval for essential financial services once your bank finds out what industry you're in. Evergreen Gateway makes it easy for cannabis entrepreneurs to access the financial resources that you need to operate your business. From merchant accounts to cash advances, virtual checking, and depository banking, Evergreen Gateway has established solutions that cater to the specific needs of the cannabis industry. Get in touch today at evergreengateway.com. Hey there, I'm your host, T.G. Brandfold, and thank you for listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of Gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today, I'm joined by Jeremy O'Keefe. He's the CEO of Yobi Software, a seed-to-sale point-of-sale system designed to simplify the cannabis business ecosystem. Uh, Jeremy specializes in cybersecurity and has developed retail and operational software for global brands such as Amazon and Zappos. Uh, how are you doing this afternoon, Jeremy? I uh, can't complain. How about yourself? I'm all right, man. It's great to have you on, uh, especially to you know really pick your brain about the cybersecurity aspect. Um, but before we get into any of that, tell me about yourself, man. How'd you end up uh, working in the tech aspect of the cannabis space? <laughs> oh, man, it was a, a long and windy road, really. So uh, I started off uh, right out of high school, joined the Air Force and served the better part of a decade as an electronic warfare technician. Uh, from there, I went and got my computer science degree from UNLV and um, cut my teeth building a retail operation software for one of uh, Tony Shea's startups in downtown Las Vegas that was funded through um, um, Amazon and Zappos kind of uh, skunk works programs. And, and I mean, that's that's wild. So, so you go from the Air Force, you end up in, in sort of, you know, traditional retail. Uh, how do you end up coming across cannabis as sort of a uh, an industry that you wanted to serve? <laughs> um, I've always I've always wanted to be a part of the cannabis industry and uh, always kept a really close eye on the market. Mainly just you know personal skin of the game. Um, you know hated the negative stigma that was attached to the you know cannabis and to its users, and uh, saw the opportunity to kind of leverage my experience you know in the retail technology space. Uh, well, because right before when I switched over to start UOB, I was the lead uh, engineer on a uh, customer-facing point-of-sale system that was the kind of central hub for managing all the inventory and sales for these frictionless commerce stores. Um, I saw the other cannabis software companies kind of falling on their face with just basic operational tasks, you know, securing their, their databases, uptime, um, data bleeding, um, just all the kind of basic fundamental tasks and, and thought that uh, I could build something better. So I... Uh, quit my job and got started. I got permission for the wife first and quit my job and got started. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, you know, a lot of people, they compare um, the tech space, you know, the, the early sort of, you know, Silicon Valley days to sort of the green rush now, the, the cannabis and the tech spaces in that way. Um, you know, you, you've sort of straddled both. Uh, what do you make of, of that comparison and analysis that, that people make when, when they say that? Um, I think it's it's accurate in some aspects and it's uh, completely misses the mark in others. So um, the fact is what we're building for cannabis is not something magical or something new. It's it's basic retail operations, ins and outs with your margins. Um, so it's it's it has the wow factor, you know, because it is cannabis and the additional um, complexity with being the state APIs you have to report to and all that. Um, that's definitely in the Wild West uh, still with with regulated commerce, but in terms of just day-to-day operational tasks, um, it's, it's nothing new. And um, 
uh, is fairly straightforward. Is that compliance aspect of it, uh, is that sort of the biggest difference between, you know, sort of a traditional retail system and a cannabis retail system? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the largest kind of uh, differentiator is the fact not only do we have to track the entire chain of custody and the life cycle of the product, um, but that every state does it differently. So that's obviously been a large order for most operators just to kind of make sure, especially multi-state operators, to make sure each state is in compliance when you have, you know, potentially 33 different state regulations to worry about. So tell me about Yobi Software. I've had, you know, uh, several seed to sale uh, sort of companies uh, on the podcast. And, oh, yeah. you know, they, they all give me sort of the elevator pitch. Uh, what sets, you know, Yobi Software apart from uh, these other point of sale seed to sale platforms? Uh, well, uh, quite a bit. So um, uh, the initial kind of point of sale seed to sale platforms were more or less white labeled systems leveraged, leveraged from different ERPs and the cannabis leaf slapped on top of them. Um, I mean, it was, you could tell by the, the structure of a lot of these. And I think that really sp speaks to how important experience is in developing software and developing uh, quality software that actually brings value to clients. And that takes time and that takes a, a deep knowledge of, of, um, building these kind of platforms before for other markets. And we're the um, only team that's actually done this successfully in a different market before and have interest in our current platform for supply chain management to build some proof of concepts for some large scale breweries to track um, their chain of custody for, for kegs and for other items. So it's, I think that points to our versatility and the stability of our platform. The fact that uh, non-cannabis operators are looking to use our um, technology to track their own internal um, I guess, activities. So, so but in terms of, of, you know, what is, what does Yobi offer that say, you know, I'm not going to really mention some of, some of the competitors, but, but that, that other services just don't have, you know, why, you know, would a regulator choose, you know, to implement your software as opposed to, you know, all of the other sort of files that are on their desk. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the biggest, biggest two differentiators obviously is going to be the RFID leverage. Um, the majority of cannabis operators are already required to use RFID tags to track the life cycle of a plant, all of its movements, um, and as, as well as all the packages once they're created and how they're broken down. The difference is that no one is leveraging this technology that's already in people's operations. Their staff is already trained to use them. Um, so we just leverage the RFID side instead of the barcode side of the tag, which allows you to, you know, capture hundreds of plants and, you know, seconds instead of have to manually locate and scan each barcode individually. So you can actually audit a room of 2,500 plants in less than 20 minutes versus I think it was uh, our last test was around six hours of uh, labor time. Our second one is how uh, like their compliance aspects. So the, these APIs are still the wild west. They're unreliable. Um, they don't always kind of tell you when things were, were passed or failed. So we developed a separate queue system. So you could potentially create a plant, move a plant, change its phase and harvest that plant, all with metric being down. And then once it comes back up, it will automatically sync all those actions in the correct chronological order for you. And, and so that, that speaks to sort of the uptime differences that you had mentioned at the top. Exactly. So we, we, we manage our uptime, but we know external dependencies we have no power over. So we just made sure that it had uh, good fault tolerance tendencies and would actually spin back up as soon as the other systems were available. 
So, you know, you, you had mentioned sort of security and, and just sort of running down. In 2018, you know, there was a breach of MJ Freeway in Washington, move dispensary in Florida, um, the, the VPN mentor analysis that found 30,000 patient records earlier this year were leaked from TV. Oh, man. Um, how do these happen and how often do breaches like this happen, both, both on sort of a traditional retail space where you have, you know, experience and sort of the cannabis space? I mean, the most common reason these these breaches happen is just a, a lack of technical background with the founding team or the um, lack of focus on the actual product uh, to make sure it, it is secure and, and scalable. There's too much of a focus on sales and not enough on product. And I think the uh, when your product is faulty and you build a scalable, repeatable sales model, you're just doing nothing but, you know, uh, producing upset customers and more uh, uh, opportunities for vulnerability and for attacks. Um, the reason these these attacks happen so much in the in the cannabis industry is because a lot of these operators are learning as they go. So they haven't really um, got over the pitfalls or training or learned from the people above them on what to avoid in terms of best practices for your data security and um, retention 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 procedures and things like that. Um, for example, with the ones you mentioned there. Um, I also don't for, don't forget to mention the the crash and leak in Nevada. I believe it was in 2017 from MJ Freeway's uh, Leaf platform that actually exposed both my, mine and my wife's data to the public, and uh, the state actually had to sponsor a credit reporting tracking for the year for both of us and Seriously. everyone else that was affected. Yeah, it was it was huge. Uh, so it was uh, definitely pretty wild to see it happen in real time and be directly affected by it. So I knew we had made the right choice by kind of coming into this market and uh, making a difference. Um, the other aspect, and I think the reason these are vulnerable is, is, is a basic functionality. I mean, you don't see Netflix or Amazon crashing. You don't see their data getting breached. It's because they follow the best practices for, for software and, and for, for data retention, especially with, you know, someone's uh, personal identifying information on it. Um, with MJ Freeway, I remember reading that they had an exposed port uh, to their production database. And what happens is you have crawlers that go through and just pretty much check every active IP address, check every single port. And if anything is publicly accessible, it'll get logged and it will actually get reviewed or, or, or hit with further testing. So a port is like similar to what a... Um, almost like a garage door on a, in a storage unit. So if any of these are unlocked, you know, people pretend like people come through every night and check the locks on these you know, storage units and see if anything's available. Um, but what the crawlers do is they go through and mark the ones that are unlocked and someone will come behind them and uh, pull the data down and see what's available. Huh. So, so even when these things are password, password protected, um, there are so many publicly accessible scripts out there that you could just run against a, a database and it will just brute force by using combinations of user um, names and passwords until it eventually cracks it. Um, a lot of them will be cracked within about three days, uh, depending on the password complexity using uh, most commonly used passwords. So you had mentioned, you know, that there's, there's a training issue potentially that, that happens and allows these to happen. Is that something that is, I guess, sort of a hole uh, when uh, people are brought into a dispensary? Like, do, do, do people not think sort of about this technical aspect and train their employees properly? Is that sort of the, the assertion? Um, it's, it's not even the, the operator's fault. It's, it's the uh, software developer's fault uh, for just not securing the platform when they're being paid and entrusted to do just that. I mean, that's pretty much your entire your job is to store and make sure their data is, is, is accurate and it's actionable and it's, it's, you know, has been modified by third parties. 
I mean, that's, that's at the end of the day, that's our core responsibility. Um, and you know, just the, it's a bad, it's a basic lack of knowledge. For example, the S3 bucket that was exposed, which is similar to a, a port, but for like a directory on your computer that anyone can grab anything from it. Um, there's a big blue button right there on these S3 buckets that says, you know, make private encrypted. And you just have to push that button and, and it, it's, it's completely, completely protected. So <laughs> it just, it just highlights the lack of experience in the space and how people are just trying to uh, capitalize on what they think is a quick and easy market with tech. So what are, what are the ramifications uh, of these breaches? A, for the businesses that are breached, uh, B, for patients, uh, and, and C, for just your everyday recreational user? Oh, man. So uh, ramifications are anywhere from losing your state contract, which uh, Nevada bailed on after the breach in 2017 with MJ Leaf, to obviously <laughs> you know, uh, huge amounts of lost revenue, a lack of consumer trust and, you know, confidence in the market. It kind of sets us back as a, as a legitimate industry and, and you know, legitimate market. We're trying to remove these stigmas of the, you know, do nothing, know nothing stoner and, and having these, these tech platforms kind of fall in their face only really uh, gives into that stereotype of, of, you know, no one knows what they're doing here. Um, in terms of the, the customers getting their data leaked. I mean, I was a, a government contractor at the time one of our stuff was leaked and I could have potentially lost my job because you, if you're a cannabis patient, you automatically lose or you can automatically be fired for almost no reason. And then the majority of States. So both recreational users and medicinal users have to be you know, careful who they give their data to, because there's no guarantee that it's going to be stored securely like it would be with a you know larger third party service. Is there less concern? Do you think because cannabis is mostly a cash business, you know, of, of sort of the, the, the breaches that would, ha- what we worry about when something happens with Amazon, right? Credit cards, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. And I just think there's a, a lack of kind of a long-term thinking with this market. It's brand new. People are excited. They're trying to capture as much market share as they can, as quick as they can, you know, which isn't a bad thing, but you have to make sure that, you know, your, your foundation is covered. You know, your fundamentals are, are solid before you try to scale anything because otherwise you're building on, you know, something that's not stable. When you talk to uh, regulators and, and do they actually understand, you know, sort of the tech <laughs> aspect of it? Do they understand sort of the ramifications of, you know, just sort of hastily choosing or, or, or choosing sort of, uh, I don't want to say maybe the best bid, you know, what, what happens there? It's, it's the, it's the old joke about the, the astronaut saying that we're sitting on this huge rocket that was built by the lowest bidder and it hasn't changed for the, the cannabis industry either. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's with whatever the buzziest words are or whoever is kind of, you know, knows the person in the legislative body to get something kind of pushed through is, is how it still works. Do you, do you anticipate with all these breaches that, that, states that go online that they will take this more seriously and maybe take a closer look uh, at, at the platforms. Are you getting that sense? Um, sometimes. I mean, I, I do notice uh, people are preferring to use uh, metric as, as the compliance platform, which has proven to be, you know, the most, the most scalable and most secure. And uh, they're also trying not, they're trying, they are focused on that one aspect and not trying to boil the ocean in terms of offering that plus a myriad, myriad of other, um, of tech solutions, which, you know, allows them to focus on that and really build a, a solid product there. And I think, you know, stretching yourself too thin is where, you know, things start to get a little right, um, um, out of whack, I guess. And, uh, yeah. So how should, 
you know, these, these point of sale companies uh, respond when these incidents occur. I, I, I studied uh, communications and crisis communications was something I was particularly interested in. And so I'm just wondering sort of, you know, from, from your point of view is, is, you know, if, if, if there were a breach, you know, by your software, how would you respond as a company or how would you direct your company to respond? Uh, we would uh, automatically get in front of it, let anybody that was information that was compromised know ahead of time so they could take proactive measures to prevent, you know, any damage from occurring. Um, obviously take responsibility and, and, and make sure that we were covering um, any negative effects to their credit report and offering protection there. And, but not, not just that, but, you know, showing the solution that we implemented to make sure that never happened again. And, um, you know, focusing on really just repairing our brand and, and overcompensating for, for that aspect if that was to happen. Um, but to prevent it out of the gate, um, we should just, I mean, you should follow the best practices. You should, your database should never be publicly accessible. It should be accessible to a single entity that you have total control over that you have to pass through even uh, with your own applications as a, as a reverse proxy and kind of a validator. Um, this, this helps with security. It helps with um, DDoS attacks, which is where someone will just spam your pretty much like hitting the refresh button a bunch of times on your on your browser to the point where you have thousands of people doing it at once to where it crashes your server so that the handling things like that that kind of every other large-scale enterprise company uh, needs to have is something that the cannabis industry should be looking at now as well especially with how big um, everything's getting so quickly is the industry behind uh, the, the more traditional services in this regard even though it's so reliant you know on this on the seed to sale technology Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's pretty far behind in the, in the fact that there's uh, just the basic fundamental KPIs aren't being tracked in terms of um, sell-through rates or uh, turnover, inventory aging, um, you know, just breaking apart, you know, real actual analytics. A lot of people will just throw some values onto a chart and kind of let it go with no real, you know, what am I supposed to do with this kind of mentality? And that um, that's that's really where it falls behind the most. Um, it is ahead of the game in terms of, you know, using RFID for smaller and mid-size operations, which is great, uh, but just getting them over that hump of, of the, the stigma that's with RFID that a lot of um, our competitors have, have put in people's heads to say that it doesn't work or whatever the, the story is this time because they don't support it. Um, it really just boils down to not understanding how to use it and no background in it. If it didn't work, it wouldn't be used by our Department of Defense to track all of our equipment. It wouldn't be used by NASA to track everything that goes on rockets. You know, so I'm going to trust what NASA uses and try to use the same as you know processes as they do. Is there any way really to build a perfect system, though? I mean, with the with the rate at which you know hackers get get more uh, brazen, you know, they they, they get more savvy. Uh, to, you know, tech is constantly changing. Is there any way to build a perfect system here? Uh, absolutely not. Honestly, it's always going to be a moving target. There's always a new vulnerability, a new update, um, a new way to do things. So staying ahead of it and, and knowing that your software is, is a living, breathing, um, um, project, and it's going to always be updating, changing, iterating to match, you know, the needs of the industry and to stay up to date with security best practices. Um, one of the biggest concerns with, the large scale enterprisers uh, that, you know, kind of rushed to market and were built on um, things like Drupal or uh, Vue.js or some of these other kind of, you know, kind of plug and play systems. Um, they, they don't scale well. 
Um, they're quick to build, you know, small prototypes for, you know, personal web, web pages or apps like that. Uh, but once you get to a large scale multi-state operator, they start to really slow down, uh, become non-responsive and just the technical debt kind of comes home to roost, which would require complete retooling of the system. So a lot of the competitors are just throwing money at the solution um, in terms of server space and computational speed to kind of make it work faster instead of just having a more uh, lean and uh, um, scalable solution. So while we're talking about adapting, how did you, you know, what, what was it like for you to adapt to sort of the needs of the cannabis industry, both professionally and personally? Oh, it was, it was great personally. I mean, first started, um, the samples were a lot more common a few, five years ago. So that was the best part. <laughs> but in terms of, of professionally, I mean, I was, uh, Always, always into retail and, and the big data sets. I know it doesn't seem exciting, but I just like to uh, see where things go and how they got there and just the whole kind of life cycle and chain of events that happened. And with me already building that solution for retail, uh, kind of apparel, this and that, which is really kind of boring for me. I got to kind of jump into a market that really interests me and I'm, I'm passionate about. I mean, I've been growing myself off and on, not very well, for about, about six years. So. <laughs> And uh, it's 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 just uh, great to be a part of something you really care about, and uh, uh, you know this is this is a turning point in our civilization. Modern day prohibition is ending, and it's uh, it's exciting to be a part of this. Are are, are you tracking your own plants using your software? <laughs> oh no, <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, um, I can't even get white flies out of it. I'm just I'm <laughs> <it> for a while. <laughs> so, man. Like when states require the seed to sale tracking stuff, I mean, and every state requires the seed to sale tracking, um, do the laws ever include any consequences for the firms who actually leak this data? Um, in the language there, there are consequences stated. Um, and you also have to carry a certain uh, liability insurance for, for exposing, you know, customers uh, PII. But in terms of that ever being leveraged or used against the people that do it, I, I haven't seen any real cases that any, any states have followed through with that. Is, is that insurance? I know that insurance is hard to get for, for industries that touch, for, for companies that touch the plant. Is insurance something that, that the tech industry, the cannabis tech industry has trouble with as well? Um, yes and no. It depends on, it depends on who you're talking to and, and um, kind of the, the questions they ask. So and if you know, most people just say they're retail tracking or supply chain tracking. Uh, but if you know, there are a lot of cannabis, cannabis special specialized insurance agencies that have popped up now that really make it a lot easier to kind of lay everything out and get a, a decent and fair rate on, on what you're doing. Cause they realize you're, you're at the end of the day, you're just ones and zeros. You don't have any type of, uh, you know, physical connect, connectivity to the plan or any type of activities that way you're just tracking um, ins and outs to your system. So let me ask you just sort of, I, I, I've had, uh, you know, a lot of people have sort of, you know, they talk about sort of blockchain as being, you know, sort of this, this magic potion to stop breaches and, and, you know, this, this sort of perfect software to protect data and this sort of thing. Uh, I, again, I'm not a tech guy. I've said this a hundred thousand times on the show, but, but is blockchain tech something that could be used and, and should be used to help prevent sort of breaches or, or to foresee the sale tech? Um, no, I mean, block, yeah, blockchain, it gets thrown around a, a lot by everybody, but at the end of the day, blockchain is, is uh, actually exposes more, more data than it hides. It's, it's usually used for um, shared parties will create a blockchain and what that will do is, is it puts a block of data 
onto a chain in one direction only. So there's always a historical record and no previous ones can be changed. So this is great for tracking supply chain, um, um, uh, product breakdowns into new products, uh, transactions. So it, it, it's an immutable ledger, which means, you know, it can't be edited after anything's been created. So it's, it's, a, it's a true source of truth for any historical action that was taken inside this blockchain. And blockchains can be anything, you know, they're not just cryptocurrency or anything like that. They're, they're utilized by a lot of large scale operations like B, um, IBM and um, Google, obviously, to um, even track. I think our Google Sheets and Google Docs are tracked using uh, a, a certain kind of blockchain technology that just um, links your previous versions to your next versions. So you can um, um, go back or go forward, depending on what you want to do and start and start new chains that way. So it's, it's really just almost like a data a management system more than some kind of uh, um, uh, super problem solver tech at the end of the day. <laughs> um, what advice would you have for uh, entrepreneurs uh, who are worried about, you know, potential data breaches or, or what advice would you have for them best practices wise to prevent uh, these, these breaches? Is there anything sort of the retailer can do? Uh, due diligence on your provider. I'm asking, you know, what their, their SOPs are, their standard operating procedures for, for security, for who has access to their systems um, and what, you know, what are their uh, catastrophic recovery procedures? So, you know, what worst case scenario, what, what, what happens? Um, you know, and, and they should have an answer for those questions that they want to, you know, be able to uh, reliably, reliably support and, and store your data. Uh, for example, we we do snapshots of our database every 15 minutes, and we do full backups of it every single hour. And we keep a 30-day um, block of, of backups, and we just you know it's a rolling uh, replacement. So the, I mean, just things like that to make sure that you know it's not if but when. You know, as worst case scenario, for like motorcycle wrecks, you know, you plan for the the slide, not for the ride. So <laughs> you want to make sure that <laughs> you've got everything covered. You know, in the worst case that something does happen, but you obviously plan to make sure it doesn't. But yeah, just retailers asking. Um, their operators, how, how they do stuff, what their, you know, background is. I mean, if you look at the background of, of most cannabis tech founders, and I mean, none of them have done anything like this before in their lives. So there's a, a pretty steep learning curve when it comes to that. And, you know, they need to build a, a really smart team around them to help guide, you know, this, this product development and make sure that it's brought in house and that they have full ownership of it because third parties and outsourced contractors are never going to give it the, the attention and the passion that, that, that the core of your company really deserves. I mean, you're you're definitely a lot more passionate than 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 a lot of you know the type of people that I have come in contact with, and you know, I, I, do, how how much of sort of, I guess, because you have this opportunity, how much is that driving you? I mean, because you, you can definitely tell that that this is sort of the culmination for you. Oh, absolutely. This is, this is, you know, a, a dream come true. I, I went to college with a major in computer science and a minor in graphic design because I wanted to build, I built something from nothing and, and, and make a difference and just so happened to be in, in one of the best industries out there as it gets legal. So <laughs> I have no complaints. <laughs> Where can people find out uh, more about the software, more about you? Uh, how can they get in touch with you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, GetYobi.com is our site, uh, G-E-T-Y-O-B-I. Um, finding out more about us, you can follow us on Twitter at Yobi Says, or if you're in Latin America, Yobi Dice. Um, so we are 
yeah, we're, we're pretty proactive on there. We, we, you know, we respond to requests and comments. We try to be, um, you know, out there and listening to people that are, you know, in the, in the trenches and seeing what they've got going on. Well, I really want to thank you, man, for, for coming on the show. Uh, you know, this has been really sort of enlightening for somebody who's not a tech guy to, to, you know, just sort of be able to break this down. Uh, you know, we cover, we, we've covered, you know, a lot, as many of the breaches as, as we're, we're able. Uh, and, and so this is the first time that I've actually had someone uh, on the show uh, that has expertise in, uh, you know, this, this, this sort of realm. So, so I really appreciate you taking the time and, and joining me today. Well, of course, I appreciate you listening to the explanation. So it's not often I get to do that. We've been working at home. So, <laughs> uh, well, hopefully we'll get out of the house soon, man. Oh yeah, one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks, that's Thanks. that's Jeremy O'Keefe. He's the CEO of Yobi Software, a seed to sale point of sale system designed to simplify the cannabis business ecosystem. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you'll find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, T.G. Brandfault.